to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. We're going to grab a seat. I'm excited to, to dig into God's Word with you all. I want to say this, kind of the, the approach for tonight um, as far as who I feel like this sermon is addressing is really talking to Christians, to believers. What I mean by that is not somebody who just goes to church. I mean somebody who they grew up in a house, always voted Republican. I don't mean that at all. I mean someone who has realized, has come to the understanding that they are a sinner, that they on their own cannot please God, but they know and believe and trust that Jesus, like David just said, God the Son, left heaven came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then died a sinner's death on a cross for us. So that by placing our faith, not in ourselves, what we can do or might could do one day, but instead trusting in the finished work of Jesus, we receive salvation. So our sins are forgiven. We have hope of heaven and spending eternity with Jesus Christ. So talking to Christians, those who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And if you're like, well, that's not really me. Well, the good news is that can be you. Because the good news of the gospel is for anybody, for anyone who is willing to turn from themselves and turn to Jesus. But again, it's it's for, I want to make sure that's clear because if you mishear me and you think, oh, this is like, he's given a message on how to be a Christian. Not at all. This is a message for Christians on how to fight for something better. Do you ever, in your, your relationship with Jesus, your walk with Christ, you know you should be pursuing Jesus more. You know you should be seeking to live a life that pleases him, but do you ever just feel stuck? I I know I do sometimes. Like I'm, I'm, how old am I, 36? My wife's 37. She's a cougar, so I make fun of her sometimes. Just kidding. Don't worry. If you know her, Lauren, Malone's like, oh my gosh, she's going to kill Brent. No, she won't be mad. Um, I'm 36. And I'm, I'm not as far along in my walk with Christ. It's like I thought I would be at 36. Like, it doesn't mean things are bad, but I, I feel like I've gotten hung up. I've got stuck more than I thought I would. You, do you guys feel that way? Oh, we're like family. You can, you can just, you can talk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think we all feel that way sometimes. I think maybe a, a way to picture that. I remember I used to have a forerunner, and um, the first time I was going to take it off-road with my friend, uh, I had Lauren with me, my wife, but... We were trying to go up this pretty big hill, and I'm, I'm like thinking, I'm, I had the TRD Pro version, like the off-road version. I've got, I've got big hopes about going up this hill, and we don't make it maybe 10 feet up this hill, and I, and I can't move. Like, I'm stuck. And so my buddy comes around. He's like, man, do you have it in four low? He's asking me all these questions, making sure, like, are you using your forerunner properly? Well, I keep doing different things. I'm still stuck. So finally, we walk around to the back of the forerunner, and my tailpipe, is that the right word? Exhaust pipe, same thing, I guess. Exhaust pipe is, is stuck on a rock. Like I didn't have a, a lift, and so it wasn't high enough to get past this rock. And so what I thought was going to be this great outdoor adventure, we're going to go off-road, really lasted about five minutes because I, I got stuck immediately. And what's frustrating is that I could, as we're on this hill, I can see where I want to go, but I'm stuck at the bottom. I think that's 
kind of a, a, can be, unfortunately, a picture of a lot of our Christian lives. Like, we see where we want to be in our relationship with Christ. Like we, we want to grow. We want to learn to love the, the Word more. We want to love other people more. We want to learn to serve people. We want to be bold in sharing our faith. But, but we get stuck in different sins. Like that's the reality of the Christian life, that you're, you're, you're set free from your sin by what Christ has done, but, but too often we still get stuck in our old patterns and habits. So, so for some of you, maybe that's pornography. Like you, you can see where you want to go in your relationship with Christ, but you're just kind of stuck. It, well, let me rephrase that. You feel stuck. Like Christ has set you free. You know the freedom is there. You, you know, maybe you've heard that metaphor of like, you know, you're sitting in the, in the um, prison cell, but the gate is wide open, but you're choosing to stay. But sometimes it feels like even though the gate is open, the door is open, sometimes it feels like you just can't get up and walk out of the prison cell. Does that make sense? Like sin feels that way sometimes. So for some of you, maybe it's pornography, maybe. For others of you, maybe it's like you, you can't quit sleeping around or sleeping with your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It's like, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, if I was to ask you, do you know that's wrong? You would like break down in tears. I know it's wrong. But you just, you just keep circling back. Maybe, maybe for others of you, it's just, we would say this is a lesser sin, but it's no lesser. Maybe it's jealousy. I mean, you see where you want to go and you walk with Christ. You see where you should be based on scripture. But you just find that you can't ever celebrate life going well for somebody else because you want what everyone else has. Maybe for some of you, you're stuck in like the, the party scene or like you know, we're, we're two or three weeks into school and you're like, dad gummit, I said that I wasn't gonna get drunk this year. And like, you're, you're already like kind of in that pit again. And so you, you, you want to be free, you want to grow your relationship with Christ, but you just, you feel kind of stuck. I, I could go on, like, we could spend all night talking about sins, but you get the picture, right? Like, if I were to ask, I'm not going to, because we don't know each other that well yet. <laughs> but if I were to ask, like, hey, what, what is it that you're getting stuck on? I would be willing to bet that every Christian in the room could say, yeah, man, here's, here's my struggle. Like, maybe it doesn't own me, but man, I keep getting hung up on this. How do you fight for something better? I was talking with, um, actually, several folks over the past couple of weeks and like talking about this idea that I think so many of us, we know that we should fight for something better. And we know that, that, that Jesus is better. All right. We at least say it, but as far as how to fight, I think we often feel clueless. And I, I, to talk about every single specific sin, then we could really get some really specific things. But tonight the goal is just to give you some basic principles, some basic ways to fight, to, to walk in the freedom that Christ has already purchased for you. You're with me for that? All right, good. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in several different texts tonight, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter. So just so you know, if you're new here, on Sunday mornings, we, uh, we actually just started going through the book of James. We're literally going verse by verse very slowly. Um, but that gives us, I think, the freedom sometimes on, on our Tuesday night gathering to do a little bit more of kind of like a topical approach and, and look at different, uh, different areas of Scripture, not just being one. But man, we'd love for you guys to come hang out with us on Sunday morning. A lot of you guys are already doing that. So 1 Peter 5, and we're going to look at um, verse, verses 6 through 9. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, 
under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Uh, so first, note it, notice the context. It's the devil, your enemy, Satan, is, is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he wants to harm you. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But the context is, I, I believe, like, you going through a hard time. That's why just in verse 7, it says, casting all your cares on God because he cares about you. You know that, like, hopefully you know this by now, at this, like, season of your life, that Satan most loves to attack you when you're tired and worn down. Like, when, when you're... When you're, when you're not thinking straight, not because you've been doing something stupid, but just because you're just tired or you've got something hurting. Like maybe something's going on with your family back home or like you just went through a bad breakup. And so because of that, now you're susceptible. Now, now you're vulnerable. Satan loves to attack you when you're already struggling and feeling weak, which is exactly what a lion does. A lion will seek out the weakest link, the one who's, who's falling behind. It says, be sober-minded, be alert, resist him, firm in the faith. Like if I could put this in a simple phrase, our first point for tonight is this, is this, keep your head on a swivel. Do you know what that phrase means? Keep your head on a swivel. I see mixed, mixed looks there. What does that mean? You can like talk to me. What does that mean? Somebody help me out. It's a football term often. What does it mean? Be aware. Be aware yeah. And how do you, how do you be aware? Yeah, yeah, you're looking around. You keep your head on a swivel. So they would say, I, I had a glorious middle school football career. It was really awesome. You guys want to look up my highlights. Just kidding. Um, but I remember they, the coaches would say, hey, keep your head on a swivel because especially like I've always been a really, really big guy like I am now. And so in, just a joke. And so in middle school, I, it, being even smaller than the coaches would be like, Brandon, you got to keep your head on a swivel or you're going to get killed out there, right? Like, like some big dude is going to knock you off your feet. So you're, you're running around the field looking, making sure you don't get, like, get knocked out, right? Keeping your head on a swivel. Lauren and I got to go to uh, Africa on a mission trip. Super, super cool. But the last day or two days we were there, we did a safari. And we were with our guide, with several of us, we were with a guy named Samson, which is an awesome name for who our guide was. But we went out to the border of Kenya, Tanzania, and one other country, I can't remember right now. There's three countries meet this one spot. We were out there looking for cheetahs. We hadn't found any, any of them. So it's like, hey, you know what? Let's hop out. Let's take a picture at the border. So we all, got, we all hop out of the SUV, and we're like just carefree, hanging out, like, which again, we're, we're on a safari, right? We should be thinking about where we're at. We get out of the SUV, and we're all uh, fixing to take this picture, and Samson as he's getting ready to take the, take the picture, he looks kind of concerned. And he goes, he is here. And we're like, Samson, what are you talking about? He said, he is here. And we're like, Samson, we're in the middle of nowhere. Who is here? And he says, look over there. And I had to turn around. And y'all, the cheetahs we've been looking for, well, we didn't found, find them, but they found us. Two cheetahs, you can see their heads sticking up over the grass, staring at us. So yours truly was the first one back in the van. That's right. <laughs> Ahead of my wife and kids. It was kind of embarrassing, actually very embarrassing. We were so glad we had Samson there because he kept his head on a swivel. 
Like literally, have we not been paying attention? We could have got attacked by cheetahs, which would make for an even cooler story. I'm just saying, right? But had he not been watching and paying attention, it could have been terrible. Here's the key. He was looking because he knew where we were was a dangerous place. Friend, as long as we're on this earth, Satan will be prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. So you got to keep your head on a swivel. What does that look like? It looks like knowing, just a few examples, knowing when you're weak, knowing when you're susceptible, and looking out for it. So like just to get super practical, if pornography is your issue and you know you struggle when you're alone, when your roommate leaves for the weekend, maybe you let someone else borrow your computer for the weekend. You're like, I got homework. Figure it out. <laughs> let your friend borrow your computer and go to their house when you got to do homework. That's so embarrassing to let them know. Yeah, it is. But you know what's worse is Satan destroying your life through pornography. I've I got too many friends along the way that have been torn apart by Satan because of pornography. Totally worth being embarrassed and ask somebody to like borrow your laptop or your, it's on my phone. Okay, so maybe you leave your phone somewhere. If you know, <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it funny? I remember, I got, I'm about to tell me stories. I'm going to run away every time. I'll just say this. Isn't it funny how you know if you go back to your apartment or your dorm or whatever, just with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you're going to do things you shouldn't do, but you still go there anyways? <laughs> no, it'll be fine. We're not going to make out. Nothing's going to happen. It'll be fine. <laughs> if you know you're going to struggle there, be smart. Like, don't give Satan the opportunity to devour you because you're just walking around clueless. No, keep your head on a swivel. Know when you're going to struggle. Like, know what his plan of attack is because he's done it before. He's stupid. He does the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Keep your head on a swivel. That's the first one. That's kind of a defensive tactic. The next one is a little more offensive. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 17. So you're going to go back to the left a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So... This is Paul writing to Timothy. And just for context, we're going to start in verse 1. He says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and John Braves resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. There are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress. For their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. 
What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse. Deceiving and being deceived. So first question, does what we just read, does that context sound anything familiar to our world today? Absolutely. Like this, I I love that verse one starts, know this, hard times will come. Like, Like, again, classic Bible, just shooting straight with you, being real. Life is hard. It's gonna be difficult to pursue Jesus when everyone around you is not pursuing Jesus. So if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. It's going to be difficult. What Paul is fixing to tell Timothy to do is, hey, I'm going to tell you what to do in this context. So life is hard. People are not following Christ. They're going to pull you away from Christ. And if you do follow Christ, they're going to persecute you. So how do you stand strong? To go back to my metaphor earlier, like how do you get unstuck and keep pursuing Christ the way you want to? Verse 14. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Second point, super simple. You're probably tired of hearing it. It's this. Number two, read the Bible. You want to fight for something better? You want to get unstuck and grow in your faith, your walk with Christ? You've got to read Scripture. Like that, that is absolutely a core value for Southcrest is God's Word. Like Every time you come here, we're going to study God's Word together. You want to grow and not be entangled and snared by your same old sins? You, you've got to get in, in the Word. And I would tell you, man, I think so many of us, like you may even roll your eyes at that. Like, man, I've heard that before. So my question, if that's kind of your go-to is, well, are you reading the Bible? Like don't get upset about the results you're not seeing from the work you're not doing. Right? Like how foolish to, man, I just don't feel like the Bible really changes my life. Well, are you reading it? I, I, I guarantee you, if you will read it, if you will dig in, it will change your life. If those of you all have, some of these folks in here, I've been, I was a middle school pastor back in the day, so you've heard me say this before. But almost every single time I talk with somebody who's like, man, I'm just getting tore up by sin now. I feel like I like, am not growing at all. I feel like I'm just struggling tremendously. God feels far from me. Almost every time I ask them, like, hey, how, how's your time in the Word going? They're not, they're not reading it whatsoever. And I would tell you, if maybe you hear this tonight and you're, you're not a Christian, you don't know Christ, I would tell you, I would like dare you to just begin to read God's word. Even if you don't believe it, begin to read it. And I would bet you it'll change your life. I know it'll change your life because it's, it's God's word. He speaks to us through it. You want to fight for something better? You got to read the Bible. It's that simple. Another offensive tactic that is a little more real. What I mean is like real as in like it's hard and difficult because it causes us to be real. Look at uh, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. We're going to look at verse 13. 28, 13. 
says, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Here's, here's the third truth. Learn the freedom of confession. Learn the freedom of confession. Y'all, I'll, I remember my freshman year of college and wouldn't call it pornography, was looking at crap I shouldn't be looking at. And I remember I never talked to anybody about it. And my roommate, I went to a, a college where fortunate to have a roommate who was a Christian, and he, he brought up pornography and, and lust. And I remember as he brought it up, I felt so much shame and guilt and felt like dude, there's no way I can tell him that I struggle with that. Like, there's no, no way on this, in this world I can do it. I, I would just attribute to the Holy Spirit, but something in me began to like, just kind of say, no, you, you need to bring this up. And so I, if, you, if you've ever been in this position, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember feeling just like shaky and sweaty and gross and saying, Michael, uh, I sometimes, it was like the worst confession ever. It was like, sometimes, occasionally, I might, I don't know, sometimes I think I may look at things I shouldn't. <laughs> and he was like, dude, I appreciate you being honest, bro. And when he said that, I get chills thinking about it now. It was like light just flooded into that dark place in my soul. And what was this terrible burden and weight on me was immediately lifted. Did that mean that from that moment I never struggled again? No, that's stupid. No, for sure I struggled after that. But the reality is that moment was the beginning of freedom. You all, there's a, a quote from a pastor I love. He says, you can't fight the devil in the dark. And that's the reality. If you're not willing to bring your sin and your struggle into the light, you're going to get beat up every time. So I love the one who conceals his sins will not prosper. You never take a step forward. You never grow in your walk with Christ by keeping things a secret. You only experience growth as you walk in the freedom of confession and bring things into the light. You know, that's one of the reasons, like, I'm not saying, yeah, don't get me wrong, we're not going to talk about pornography in every home group and make you confess all your sins. That'd be weird. But one of the reasons we're really leaning into home groups and a little less to the every week gathering is I believe there's more freedom to be found and growth in your walk with Christ as you get real in home groups, as you begin to, to open up and share. Like, it's good to come and sit and hear a message for sure and study God's word, but something special happens when you sit in a group and even break up into a smaller group from that group and stare into someone else's eyes and say, yeah, man, here's what God's been teaching me in, my, in the word, and here's an area I'm struggling. Where the three questions that we're always going to end with in our home groups that are going to be like, so you say you've got a home group of 20 people, then we'll, we'll break up into smaller groups at the end of like, three to four people, we're always going to ask these questions. How are you feeding your soul? How are you feeding your flesh? And how are you feeding others? In other words, how are you serving others? Every week, you're going to have an opportunity to be real. If you're a guy, you'll be meeting with guys for that little brief moment, girls with girls for that little brief moment. Every week, you're going to have an opportunity to shoot straight with somebody. Man, here's what God's teaching me in his word, and here's where I'm like totally screwing up right now. And you're going to, in that moment, talk about how you can grow, how you can get some traction, how you can fight for something better. 
you want to fight for something better, you got to be real. You got to bring things into the light. This next one may sound counterintuitive, but it may be one of the most important ones. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, so back to the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you get 1 and 2 Timothy, you're a little too far. I always do that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is one of my favorite verses, or two verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He We'll do it. Here's our fourth point. It's this, real simple. Trust God will finish what he started. Trust God will finish what he started. You know, why is this so important to trust that God is the one who sanctifies you, which sanctify, that's like a, a biblical term for this idea of being made more like Jesus. So he's transforming you to look more like Jesus Christ and, and grow in righteousness, grow in holiness. Why is it important to know that? Because if you think that you on your own are gonna grow yourself and sanctify yourself, you're gonna give up real quick. If you think that your only hope for, for getting unstuck and fighting for something better is, is if it's all about you, you're gonna give up every time. Y'all, you're not doing this alone. This is not a do-it-yourself project. The Holy Spirit inside of you is working and he will not quit until he's done. Is that encouraging to you? That's encouraging to me. Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will not quit. If you want to fight for something better, you've got to begin to, to trust and rest that God has got your back. Otherwise, the devil will make you feel terribly and infinitely hopeless. He'll make you feel alone so you should just throw in the towel. You're, you're not alone. God himself is going to finish what he started. I love that it says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So often, y'all, when we're fighting for something better, I would say it this way. If you, as you're fighting for something better and trying to get unstuck, you're trying to grow in Christ, you're wanting to be set free in reality or uh, in your experience from these sins, from these struggles, when you feel not at peace and hopeless, it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. When you're, when you're doing it in the strength of the Lord and depending on him and trusting him and walking with him, you experience that he is the God of peace. How many of us have given up and trying to grow with Christ? How many of you came to school and you're like, man, you're freshman or maybe even sophomore, you're like, this year's gonna be different, but already you feel like, man, I don't even know if I should go to church. I don't know if I should fight this sin. And the problem is you're doing it in your own strength. You're not trusting that God is at work. That, that he is doing the unseen things in your life. If you don't have peace, if you're not relying on him, you're going to give up. Trust 
he'll finish what he started. Two more. I got to be quick. Psalm 130. Psalm 130. I love uh, verses three through four. It says, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, which is uh, just to kind of maybe oversimplify another word for sin, if you, if you kept a, uh, an account of our wrongdoings, Lord, who could stand? Like who would have any hope if God kept a record of, well, there goes Amanda sinning again. Okay, there goes, there goes old Zach sinning again, that little sinner. Like who, who could stand? Who would have hope? It says, but with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. This is so cool. We often think like when you're struggling with sin, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's easy to think, well, I, I, need, to, I need to like be hard on myself. I need to beat myself up. I need to wallow in my shame and my guilt a little bit because I want to really revere God. I want, I want to make sure he knows that I think he, I, I know he's holy. But this verse is kind of saying the opposite. That when you understand that God is a forgiving God and that he, as the, all of Scripture teaches, teaches us, that he delights in giving forgiveness and grace and mercy and fresh starts. saying when you understand that and grasp that, the Lord is revered. When you understand how amazing and gracious God is, that's actually what leads to you worshiping God more. So here's the fifth point, embrace grace. You never get traction in your walk with Christ. You never get traction in, in growing free from sin. And what I mean is, again, like Christ has already set you free, but you walking in that freedom, you never grow in that by wallowing in your sin and shame. And I'm the worst person ever. That never gets you any further. If you read Psalm 51, David's uh, psalm, song of repentance, his prayer of repentance, he begins with repentance. And by the end of the psalm, he's praising God. God is not glorified by you telling yourself in your 27 prayers to God how terrible you are. That doesn't bring him glory. What brings him glory is you embracing the grace and forgiveness of God made possible to you through the cross of Jesus Christ. And from that, embracing that, praising him and telling others how amazing God is. That's where growth happens. Man, if I could go back, if I could travel back in time to my college years, that's the point I would tell myself how often I was stuck in sin because I just wouldn't embrace the freedom and the grace that Jesus was already providing me. Embrace grace. All right, last one. Turn to, just a little back to the left, Psalm 16. Psalm 16. We're going to look at verse 11. It says, You reveal the path of life to me, and in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Some translations say pleasures forevermore. I'll read it one more time because it's so good. <laughs> you reveal the path of life to me, and your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. 
Sixth point, how do you fight for something better? Believe Jesus is better. So often in our fight for sin, Alex, I would say like every time, this is the heart, this is the root problem, is that we are believing that something in this world, whether it be a relationship, um, something that you're going to buy or whatever, some pattern of sin, we're believing that that is more satisfying, more life-giving than Jesus. What the, the, I would say maybe the most important idea in, in fighting for something better is believing there is something better. I love what John Piper, he says, no one sins out of duty. So what do you mean? Like no one sins out of, oh, I guess I have to sin. You know, no one likes doing it, but I have to. No, he says, we sin because it is more pleasant or less painful than the way of righteousness. It's good. He says, so bondage to sin is broken by a stronger attraction, a more compelling joy. A quote you're going to hear me use a lot if you start coming here, or if you've been coming here, you know this one already, is Thomas Chalmers. That He asked the question, he's an old Puritan who's dead now and in heaven, but he says, how do you dislodge something from the human heart? So how do you get something that feels stuck in the human heart out? You replace it with something more beautiful. David says, the psalmist says, at your right hand, God, our pleasures forevermore. At your right hand, so in your presence with you, God, is abundant joy. See, this is not, to quote David Maddox, our worship leader from Sunday, this is not about like, well, sin is really fun, but because you follow Christ, you just got to like abstain from all that and starve. No, God is inviting you to a feast. He's inviting you to delight in him. Our goal as a church is to help you find your greatest pleasure and your greatest purpose in Jesus. And we certainly believe and know because of God's word that when you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus, you'll be more satisfied, more fulfilled, happier in Jesus than anything this world could offer you. So if you're gonna begin to fight for something better and, and experience that freedom from sin that Christ has already purchased for you, you gotta believe him that he's actually better. You gotta believe and trust that when you seek to find joy in him and, and starve yourself from the things of this world, starve yourself from the sin of this world, that you're actually gonna be more satisfied in him than you ever would be if you got things your way. Believe that Jesus is better. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was dating this girl named Katie, and actually we started dating in high school and then in college. And when we broke up, um, I remember, we dated for, I guess, a year. And my dad told me, very serious. Uh, my dad, he, he kind of leans towards serious. I get my goofiness from my mom. But my dad said, Brandon, you know, if it didn't work out with you and Katie, it just means God has something better. I remember he told me that. I was so mad. I was like, so irritated, like, you heartless man, right? Like, how are you going to tell me that? What is wrong with you? And really, I was, I really was like, Dad, I, I was, I was kind of mad at God. I was mad at my dad. Like, why would you even say that? It seems so heartless. But then, a few years later, I met my wife, Lauren. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make a joke about it. And she's so much prettier than Katie, though she is beautiful. My point is, when I met Lauren and got to know her, what dad had told me and I kind of discounted, I suddenly 
was like, oh, shoot, my dad was right. <laughs> my dad is not a fool. The reality was that something more beautiful, inside and out, and my wife, Lauren, drove out a desire for something else. Well, I'll tell you that stupid story. When you begin to get a glimpse of the goodness and the wonder of Jesus, it drives out the things that are holding you captive. There was a while there where I was kind of stuck on that girl named Katie and just like couldn't get over. But no doubt when I met Lauren, that, that, was, that was easy. <laughs> when you begin to get a glimpse of Jesus, it still work. There's still, there's still struggle and, and energy in pursuing him. But the more you get a glimpse of him, the desires and the things of this world begin to fade away. Believe that Jesus is better. Just to remind you, this is not so that God will love you and so now you can be a good person. No, as a Christian, someone who already, God already loves you. You're not fighting for righteousness so you can be a good person. No, God has already declared you righteous and you're fighting from that identity. You're not fighting for righteousness. You're fighting from righteousness. So I want to ask you, and that's the worship team to come on up. I'm going to ask you, if you're a believer, which one of those six do you need to lean into? If you're like, well, I think all of them. Totally fair answer. <laughs> but is there one in particular that you would say, man, I feel like God's kind of tapping on my heart with that one. I want to give you just a moment as they're getting ready just to talk to the Lord about that. Lord, help me fight for something better. Help me to, to lean into this particular area. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.